Idly Holy Podcasterinos, what is going on? It is steaming hot and I am recording this intro in a pair of tracksuit bottoms, but it has to be done because I just recorded a savage podcast with none other than Jordan Barry Brown from Ill Strips Comics talking about his comics, Cosmic Slop, talking about world building, hip hop, creativity, Robert Crumb, you know, making it as an artist these days, independent work, publications, perverted comics, cancellations, all sorts of cool shit. So without further ado, here's my interview with Ill Strips Comics. Boom. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks for speaking. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Nice, nice. So um, you sent me on the Illstrip comics, the two Cosmic Slop 1 and 2, and man, they're they're fucking savage. Like, they're unbelievable. <laughs> um, obviously, coming from writing and stuff, I had so many questions about the world and characters and loads of nerd shit. But um, yeah, how did you it's get good hands, so. Like, how did you get started in comic books? Where Where did this begin for you? Um, well, I've always liked the medium, like mm. from the time when I was a kid, um, just, I suppose I would have found comics in like my dad's, like my granny's attic, um, stuff like Tintin and Calvin. Oh Hobbs. man, I love Tintin. That was my buzz. Yeah. Tintin's always kind of a gateway, uh, for, I suppose, kids yeah. and comics, mm. uh, just cause I suppose the illustrations are so unique and it's all just very clear and it's a very kind of established world. And then... Yeah, I've, and then I suppose just always illustration um, from kids' books, you know, everything from dinosaur books as a kid or, you know, just all, like I suppose all of our shelves used to be full of interesting kids' books. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's still the case, uh, but certainly as a kid, I would have had just a lot of, you know, interesting illustration and comic books kind of just lying around and given to me. Um and then I suppose just I never really let go of it. Um, in school, like in primary school, I suppose I always would have been drawing uh, comic books. Well, like I suppose comic strips more than comic books. I didn't really actually start drawing comic books properly um, until about three years ago. And there's a lot of hemming and hawing in between mm. actually getting down to business with it. Um, and uh, But I always would have been inspired by... Um, artists from the time like more kind of mature artists from the time i was about 13 and i just i just never really stopped picking stuff up so you kind of started out like tracing stuff or like kind of just different images that stuck out to you and kind of doodling things would it be i never really traced stuff i would kind of i would kind of use um you know certain images as a point of reference yeah. and then just kind of create create my own characters i always liked creating characters yeah. and worlds mm. uh world building has always you can been really see I'm that for in. sure in the cosmic slop like the characters are so detailed and the world is like the size of the universe like it's kind of it's really yeah. expansive kind of is that how you would have started out is that kind of how how it began for you with those characters not well actually they kind of came mm. by chance i mean the three characters mm. that are in the first issue um oz tarkin and kirkra um were just doodles um i, I kind of i was initially going to do kind of a more elaborate graphic novel yeah. that i was i kind of i wrote that first in the form of a script uh-huh and um i was just taking you know i was putting too much i was overthinking it basically mm-hmm. and i just decided i'd wrote a big script for it and i just kind of did the the classic just throw it in a drawer and maybe come back to it later mm-hmm. but i decided to pick something a bit more like fun a bit more where you, could, you know kind of play around a bit more mm-hmm. um which and space is always a good yeah that's a good place to start man. For that. interdimensional yeah. fucking beings and uh Man, yeah, there's no boundaries space. really mm. um and then for for the writing of cosmic slop and the characters it, in a weird way the characters kind of came first like i just draw a character and then you can um form a story around them mm. um which was not what i was doing before then i was you know 
creating these big elaborate characters and stories and it was just all too much yeah. um, so in a way that's kind of a nicer way of doing it because it just they kind of grow organically then you can see where they might fit together at the right point and you can start giving them names and just kind of expanding from their image rather than um something on paper that's really kind of a bottom-up way of doing it isn't it where you'll have i mean there's kind of a similar thing with writing where you might have like a scrap of a scene or like a bit of dialogue or like a premise or something and then you try and kind of grow the story out of that and then kind of put a bit of top-down order on it i just think it's really interesting doing it through images i mean it's such Mm. a i mean a kind of visionary thing where you have this character in your head and then that's how the story comes out of that image. Is that how you yeah. start off stuff in that way? Is it just kind of unconscious that it comes out? Uh, something will just, I mean, I, I like to mix stuff together. So, I mean, for example, the the kind of the little floating red guys yeah, who are yeah. curate, mm. they kind of curate the ancient hip hop artifacts mm. in, the, in the story um, who you meet on the spaceship. And I mean, that's just basically Orko from He-Man. Yeah. mixed and giving him a kango and a dookie rope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they kind of remind me of the Jawas from Star Wars as well. Like yeah, that dudes. too, that too. I mean, they're yeah. kind of like hip-hop Jawas. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was a doodle. That was just for a bit of fun. I was mm. like, oh, this could be a character. And then, you know, they could make a whole group of characters out of them. And then you kind of give them um, a position in the story. And then I think I drew the the kind of evil character, Lady Bohemia. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I mean, she's kind of inspired from the back of old Funkadelic records. There's mm. this kind of, a lot of skull imagery drawn by um, an artist called Pedro Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're just kind of grabbing things, mixing them together and trying to create something new out of it. Yeah, there's, um, geez, there's so many ways to go with this between like the hip hop inspired stuff which really spoke to me because like there is that kind of, I mean, the Wu-Tang style and like that almost comic book aspect to their type, like yeah. the ancient Japanese stuff, but then mixed with almost like future. I'm pretty sure there was a Wu-Tang video game, wasn't there? Like, uh, Yeah, there was a Wu-Tang everything at some point. Yeah, it's kind of, but that it lends itself very well to that style of kind of, I don't know if you'd call it a counterculture kind of action thing, but yeah, it is counterculture. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but I mean the hip hop stuff and the comic book stuff is kind of you know they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose all those rappers mm-hmm. would have been reading a lot of comic books, mm-hmm. and I mean the whole thing of having an MC title is it's basically the same as a superhero having a yeah. an alias, you know, yeah. and you have Ghostface. And- yeah, I mean Redman is Reggie Noble, yeah. Peter Parker is Spider Man, Method Man is Clifford Smith. <laughs> yeah, it is, that Clark Kent is Superman. That kind of know? duality of identity that you've got your like stage identity and your person. Do your characters have that as well, or are they kind of singular uh, figures? They're singular figures in Cosmic Slop. Um, in the previous story I was writing, uh, it was more getting into the Kung Fu side of Ooh, and the kind of nice. warrior aspect yeah. of, of the MC. And I suppose then there would have been more of that going on mm. because I mean, in a way that's just world building. Like yep. when I listen to those records uh, and I'm sure lots of people get this as well, but you kind of, there's almost a whole world laid out there. I mean, you yeah. have whatever the Wu-Tang and Shaolin, mm. uh, you have Das effects in the sewers. Yeah. You have, you know, perverted monks in their perverted monastery. There's all this, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of this great imagery, um, that kind of, you know, it forms this world. And I think that's probably like why, um, it's so attractive to a lot of nerdier people. Um, you know, aside from the music. Yeah. That there's uh, kind of a, a mythos to the whole thing as well. And that it seems like in Cosmic yeah. Slop, you're kind of bringing those worlds together. Like you have different worlds of hip hop, basically. Yeah. I mean, the kind of the, uh, the central idea is that, you know, our earth is expired. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, a last kind of gasp of getting a lot of the, the musical artifacts yeah. of the planet planet was kind of, um, you know, just freezing some musicians, blasting them out into space. Um, <laughs> so same cool. thing with, same thing with all the vinyl records. I mean, they find the vinyl records on the ship. Mm. Um, I mean, those guys aren't meant to be on that ship. Yeah. They're just trying to hijack mm. at the ship. It's like a delivery vessel. And yeah. then OZ discovers kind of a, a hidden monolith 
full of old vinyl, um, which kind of goes back to 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of enlightenment of uh, a rediscovery or something that's just going to send you on a path uh, or a quest in the story. But, I mean, the records are all quite sought after in that world. Mm. Um, they don't know what they are. They've never seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots of other factions or groups are either kind of pursuing them as, I don't know, religious artifacts or historical mm. artifacts. And then some people want to use them for, you know, more nefarious mm-hmm. uh, ideas. And did that relate to anything in your own life in the sense of this missing quest for art and for music in a lost world? I mean, oftentimes I think about that with comic books that it has, it's the same as like the popularity of superhero movies and stuff that it represents that kind of like hyper reality that we all kind of crave in our own lives, kind of like a personal myth. And that has become so popular. Did that artistic relate to your yourself in any way? In a way, the, the reason I mix all that stuff together is just stuff that I'm, I'm kind of interested yeah, in yeah. Um, and gravitate towards mm. naturally. Um, and I think it's just my way of, you know, making something out of that because, I mean, if you spend your whole time looking at all this shit, you may as well try and use it to create something new. To tie it all um, together in a way. Yeah, just to make it all, make make sense of it all mm-hmm. um, and, and let it work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it keeps you engaged in it as well. If you, if you, you know, as a creator, if you pick stuff that you find really interesting, it's not going to be really a chore to to sit down and do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always you know you have to carve out the space and and the um, the time to really put the effort in. But I mean, if it's stuff that you like, um, and there can be a whole wide range of stuff. I mean, it can be from you know movies, comics, posters, uh, cartoons, yeah, a painting you might see somewhere. I don't know. You can just kind of like loosely tile a music. You know, it's kind of like um. The way I look at it is kind of like a big stew. And if you just keep adding bits to it, you can kind of make your own, your own broth, yeah, your own flavor. I mean, and then it almost has this kind of organic quality to it also, where you're kind of growing things out of it and you're kind of like one thing leads to another thing. And there's, yeah, big time. Yeah. There's this kind of growth factor to it. Do you see it? You were saying you'd like to do about eight of the cosmic slop. Is it, yeah. Is that the cutoff point um, for it? Or would you expand it into other things? It's really just a cutoff because I'd like to do other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be necessarily that I'd come back. I wouldn't come back to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it'd be kind of a nice tie off just to to leave that story anyway. Because, I mean, I kind of know the, the rough ending of that story. Yeah. Um, in a way, the ending isn't actually that important. It's more about just, mm-hmm. you know, what's the characters and yep. the ideas mm-hmm. that get you to the end. Um, and then eight's kind of a good one because it, the story without kind of giving too much away it will kind of maybe loop around mm. and eight has that kind of like you know that mobius loop shape yeah um of kind of infinity um so because it's a big story be, like it's really i mean the leaping off point after the first one i was like where the hell is this going like this is gonna be it had that really like theatrical kind of comic book ending where it's like oh damn this is the villain oh, emerging and it was like very big that's why I was kind of surprised when you said eight. Like I thought this could go on, you know. Um, yeah, well, eight for now. I think yeah. eight would be a good cutoff for it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you do get, you just kind of get, you know, you run away with these things sometimes. Yeah. Like you don't, I didn't intend for it to be, a, to, for, to take on like a big kind of epic mm. feeling. But I mean, if you do like world building stuff, um, you know, that's kind of just the way it, things transpire kind of goes on Um, is it difficult the level of detail in the scenes like just even looking at them just the tiny little details in them like there's almost miniature stories within kind of the images hidden in it is that something does that require a lot of effort for you or does that just happen naturally like is this kind of part of your thought process uh, I think that kind of happens naturally it's just to make it look Mm. more interesting Mm. Um, and I mean I think it's nice when, you know, not everyone's going to pick up on every little thing, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll get people coming on, coming on to me who will just, they'll pick up on a lot of the, the background details and yeah. they kind of get it. And mm-hmm. I think that just, it enriches it for the reader yep. um, who might be also interested in some of the stuff. Um, it's stuff that I like to see, you know, when you're, when you're reading something um, or you're watching a film and there's a lot of like, there's kind of a richness to the, 
to what you're seeing and you might just see some background stuff that it kind of just you know gives you a little smile kind or of easter just, eggs you know, in it that are hidden and because yeah there's so much in the yeah. world i mean there's that kind of hip-hop memorabilia aspect like even like the frozen rappers and stuff i was like trying to figure out who it is mm-hmm. and like looking at the records being like oh do i recognize that like who's there it's kind of yeah it's it, it's building up to something really interesting you're really intrigued about the premise is just like amazing man i i really i'm curious about how you you know you came to it in a you know, an artistic sense, how it was that you, you know, discovered that. Uh, again, it's kind of just an organic build of stuff. Mm. I mean, you have an ideal, an initial idea, and then, I suppose, and then sometimes it, it. I think you figure out a good bit of where it's actually going through mm. sitting down and actually trying to do some writing on it. Because yep. I mean, you have ideas which you should always write down. Uh, because they'll arrive and leave as soon as they, <laughs> yeah, and you'll as soon as they arrive, they can leave at the same time. So I do like to. I always write down stuff, um, and then you know put a bit of form on that later. But uh, you know, there's ideas in there that I, I you, sometimes you haven't really quite figured it out. I mean, there's there's a big thing that I want to get into in it, which is like man's relationship to music. Yeah, um, this kind of like something that every culture experiences and it's kind of this, you know, universal language almost, um, that, you know, does connect countless cultures and everything really. And it's even, you know, it's in nature. I mean, birds singing or fogs croaking or whatever. And it's, it, it is this kind of, and you can kind of connect that to, I think, you know, as soon as a baby is born, there's a, a, there, there's a rhythm beating around its heart. And then, you know, that kind of there's a connection between mothers and babies with singing and you know that's kind of the first stuff we hear before conversation or, or language is just you know song and um so i mean these are just ideas that you need to kind of put some formula on and then make it work for the story yeah well that um, even just there what you were saying about music kind of reminded me of like uh, nietzsche like life without music would be a mistake and you can kind of see there's a musicality even to your the pains and the way you're doing the scenes kind of in the actual comic yeah. book like there's there's a rhythm to the whole thing that kind of becomes apparent as you go through it and so i guess yeah it's in, music as a metaphor for kind of life as well cuz you know that kind of rhythm and organization of music is also kind of representative of your rhythm of life in a sense you know if it yeah a life without music would be a kind of awkward robotic kind of thing you know it makes me just think of somebody who's really awkward or like if you're not like socially well versed well, if you know what i mean yes yeah, it's, it's interesting you should say that because i mean the the evil force in the story she's trying to kind of recreate human beings mm. for bad purposes oh. because i mean human beings are great and all mm. but um they can do some bad things sure. um but she doesn't understand the creativity the kind of creative spark yeah um that you know really is at the essence of mm. you know without that like you said you can be quite robotic and mm. maybe maybe not function the way mm. um men and women do but uh so she does she just can't really figure that out mm. and so she's trying to first of all get her hands on all these frozen musicians who are humans obviously but yeah. then there's kind of um the alien species of human who might be kind of our ancestors and uh, she's trying to extract um information about mm. more about humanity from them because they yeah. obviously they understand it but she just doesn't i mean she's basically she kind doesn't of doesn't get it yeah that's really interesting well that's kind of like the the intellect that doesn't understand the like creative animal in a sense and it's yeah. kind of always you'll see that a lot in like authoritarian totalitarian movements where they try and like stamp out creativity because it has this exactly, yeah. this human element that can kind of overturn the whole state of affairs um yeah and that kind of undoes it but also the creating human life thing man i've uh, it's a big part of like alchemy and carl jung and this kind of mythological or mystical tradition like alchemists used to try mm-hmm. and create the goal of their thing was to create a homunculus which was like a little person mm-hmm. basically yeah yeah that would i don't know what they did or if they like served you or whatever but the idea was if you did it wrong you could create like a monster like frankenstein was originally an alchemical story he was an alchemist course, as yeah, well yeah. As a scientist 
Um, I wonder, is that influencing this type of story or is it just all unconscious? Like, is it just, it makes sense? No, I mean, yeah, they're all influences. Um, all that stuff um, would definitely feed into it. Uh, I mean, she, what she's trying to do in the story is just literally grow humans out of pot, pots, like yeah. a potted plant. Um, so there is like... Uh, That's fucking literally. class. So it's, it's kind of, you know, she just doesn't understand this, yeah. what... I mean, she's not really getting the big picture mm. but i mean it's just and i think that's kind of it and that just came out of me just drawing you know a head growing out of a pot and then you go oh, this could be an interesting idea man but that's uh, so deep like <laughs> it's like the, that type of idea is so so philosophically rich and everything it always amazes me with like creativity how you could just draw an image or something but contained in that is a lot of these ideas yeah i guess so i mean it's it's, it's it is weird how these things just kind of yeah appear but uh, and then i mean it's always a second guess to start forming something more mm. deep around that idea yep. i mean it's just so something so simple mm. um that can be something much more interesting um but i mean uh, like a lot of the, the story as well with the monks curating stuff i'm it kind of goes back to you know when, when we do i'm doing issue three at the moment mm-hmm. and that kind of focuses on their planet um mm-hmm. or their world a bit more um and they kind of live in temples that are you know basically kind of pine cone shape um a little bit like kind of a Khmer temple mm. or you know something from ancient civilizations that and they're kind of you know they're collecting all these records and musical instruments and curating them um before they become enslaved by this evil demon mm. um but i mean that all just kind of goes back to ancient civilization as well and just i suppose their relationship with all this kind of stuff Mm. and with the natural world and and music and i find all that stuff quite interesting so it's always good to just give these stories layers um yeah well there's some certainly some deep layers there like that's about as uh, as about as deep as you can go i'd say in terms of the uh the kind of the metaphor for good and evil and kind of the the preservation of this ancient kind of tradition and almost like music in a way can be such a carrier of the the spirit of the tribe or the spirit of the people that created it that's something like sure, yeah. hip hop music is very interesting because like yourself like I would have been massively into old school hip hop my whole life like my dad introduced mm-hmm. me to De La Soul and the dream yeah, warriors right. and stuff like that and then obviously i got into like gangster rap and other things but always like <laughs> wu-tang and pete rock and cl smooth and all the boys and yeah why that culture appealed so much to us as young guys growing up in dublin in like you know the suburbs basically i think it's yeah it's a really interesting correlation because it, it definitely struck me the same way it struck you as in it's always been something i've been into no, I think that's really, it, it is true. And like a lot of guys are one girls around our age. Mm. It, it's kind of weird that, you know, it's from the ninth, the early nineties yeah. and the eighties, mm. but it just kind of arrived yeah. um, to all of us in our, in our teenage years. But I, it probably happens through, you know, just somebody, you know, playing GTA and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and saving a playlist and then sharing that with friends. And then it, yeah. I don't know. And I mean, it mm. just kind of, moves from one person to the other and it just takes someone to show to you and then um then it becomes a a part of your your day-to-day listening or whatever and Um, there's also i think maybe inspire much more oh sorry go ahead no no i'm Um, what you saying yeah it's just that there's a rawness to it and a realness to it as well which is always something like it was very much i mean i always like the lyricism of it and like trying to be the best mc and be the cleverest and the smoothest and all that kind of stuff the competition of it but also there's like a storytelling element to it that's a kind of uh, almost like a wild west way of life like this kind of you know take no shit and you're 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 living up against such odds that it's really It, it makes such good, it lends itself so well to this type of story. Like, cause it, it doesn't, how can you import hip hop from the eighties and the nineties into like this crazy universe? That's like a kind of outer mm. space type thing. Then yeah. it, it's in, what, you know, I'm interested in what can carry it over in a sense, you know, that kind of. I think it's kind of what you touched on initially. I mean, it's just this stuff that's, you know, always been with us. Like mm-hmm. if, a lot of those rappers will talk about the griots who used to walk around 
parts of Africa, you know, telling stories from mm-hmm. tribe to tribe mm-hmm. and uh, around kind of campfire. I mean, and, and just it's it, like you said, it is a lot to do with storytelling. It just happens mm-hmm. to be wrapped up in in good music yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it does always go back to that sitting around the campfire and mm-hmm. telling each other interesting stories or just you know unbelievable stuff. Yeah. Uh, stuff to scare us, stuff to, you know, make us feel good, stuff to inspire us. Um, so, it, I mean, like you said, the Nietzsche quote with um, music yeah. and, 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 and life, yeah, I think storytelling and just kind of spreading gossip and, and yeah. you know, the like words around Word on the tribe to tribe initially. And, mm. Yeah, I think people just really get um, caught up in that and they still do i mean it's still like all those big movie franchises that are on at the moment i mean it's it is i suppose just they're they're, they're tried out stories that have yeah been told they're again just kind again. of worn out aren't they it's kind of like that joseph campbell the the hero's journey but like yeah. sifted down to such a level that it's like it's almost too typical in a sense that's why i really like this type of story because it still has a, a, mm. that rawness to it and it's got an original world that's not cliched and that's not like uh something you've seen a billion times you know what i mean which i think the yeah. mainstream is at the moment i mean fast and yeah, the furious 20 or whatever <laughs> yeah i mean that's just like <laughs> obviously garbage but yeah. they with it is hard to get away from that kind of storytelling mm. though, because it's just so ingrained in us to actually yep. try and tell a story that doesn't follow that kind of hero's journey. Mm. Um, so, you know, we saw a little bit of that with, I suppose, Game of Thrones, which is why it was so appealing to people yeah. was because you just didn't know where you stood within mm. the world of it. Um, yep. And, you know, characters could be chopped at any moment. And I think that really appealed to people. Yeah. And that's probably, a part, you know, matched with the sex and violence yeah. is what really got people going. Um, the injury and not knowing. And because we're so overexposed, man, I'd say our generation have witnessed the most media of any generation that's ever existed in the world. So for far. sure. Yeah, it's very distracting. Yeah. I think the way, you know, <laughs> it is... But you can use that distraction in in other ways. I mean, I think it's good to be distracted by stuff. Um, mm. You know, it can inspire your work. Like if you are watching a film, you might just, something might spark. Or mm. if you're listening to stuff or, you know, even if you're just out with friends or, mm. um, you know, buying records or I don't know. But it is good to be distracted by, by life, but not to, to also strike a balance mm. and the kind of the way I usually, I mean, I always I buy a lot of fucking comics and records and spend yeah. stupid amounts of money on it. But I, the way I kind of, you know, balance it all up is that some of it might seep into my work, uh, mm. which it does. And that's yeah. when, you know, it does make sense. So yeah. I suppose just it's, it's allowing yourself to be distracted by the right stuff. Mm. That's a great joy of being able to make something, you know, cause like if you weren't using it for something, you just have this buildup of stuff that's just going into your brain and not going anywhere. Like I, I do the exact same thing where like I'll be watching something or I'll write something down and then it finds a home in whatever I'm doing. So it kind of makes yeah. sense of my experience yeah. in a way. Yeah. And that's always a nice feeling when mm. you can actually kind of regurgitated into your work yeah yeah it kind of organizes it for you i'm interested in the first record that they find here whenever they find the monolith um simanda yeah. is that correct simanda is Simanda. yeah he finds he mm. finds some that's the one he picks up anyway that's just yeah. it's a visual it's a that was just because it's kind of a visually interesting looking yeah. image and he picks it up over his face and mm. it's a face and it kind of just matches. Yeah. You know, it looks almost like. That's so cool. Um, man. But the first record they play, like they they obviously arrive at that giant floating head mm. and, um, you know, Oh yeah. Fuck. That's it, the, the, the doors are barred into it. Like there's kind of a treasure trove or a hiding place mm. of, of all these musical goods inside there, but they can't get in. And then they find the record player. Um, and then that sparks an idea within the character who found the records on board and he brings one down mm. and he puts it on the, he kind of instinctively knows how to do it. He, he puts it on, he, he puts the needle to the groove and then presses play and the music does play, but nothing happens. It just kind of gives them all a bit of a fright. Mm. Um, but that record is Apache by the, the incredible Bongo band, which would have been the first record that, uh, cool herc 
uh, loops mm-hmm. um, to kind of get to that get down part in the music, which used to make people dance. They just yeah. loop the break beat. Yeah. So that, I think I think that appears on the record. And maybe it's like two minutes and ten seconds in. Yeah. And so when that finally when the break beat kicks in, the get the, the gates open. So that's that's the key. Yeah. In. Nice. Um, mm. And then they they can go down and find all the other shit. But I mean, the ship they're on is just there as a vessel to collect stuff. Mm. So once it once it's it's picked up the three bodies, yeah, the three frozen wrappers, um, it's you know it's got a mind of its own. It's on to the next location. Mm. So they just scramble to pick up what they can mm-hmm. and get on the ship. And then I mean that's the end of issue one. And then issue two, uh, you know, you see it from a different point of view of of completely new characters, yeah, um, which is kind of fun as well. I mean, you don't really want to. I think that's a good way to to tell stories sometimes mm-hmm. is it's a bit like in pulp fiction when you know you're jumping around different mm-hmm. uh, characters in a non-linear fashion mm-hmm. um and you know then they kind of it all makes sense eventually yep um but and then again issue three will will be its own thing as well and then maybe in issue four it'll all join together oh whoa nice i mean that's very sophisticated storytelling though as well to be able to do that like that was kind of when the second one went to a different one i was like oh god i was like trying to loop these together i was trying to like think of all the correlations between them i was like this would be tricky because like multiple protagonists you end up with like game of thrones and it's just like it all just multiplies is that something you thought about like have you done much story work beforehand i mean is it a part of your Um, kind of process i do like to to write stuff Mm. um i probably i did it i did it more as a kid like you write stories and stuff and then when i I was in bally and i had a script writing class yeah uh which i really liked um and that kind of probably pushed me on to you know, writing more. And then I always, with always the intention to make it visual as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the writing part is, is generally the easier part because then you've got to sit down, draw it all. Yeah. Um, I'd say that is seriously demanding, man, because the level of detail. Yeah. You get quicker at it. I mean, yep. I can definitely tell already that the process will speed up and you just kind of find your style more as well. Um, but I do really like, script writing and stuff mm-hmm. um and i had a, I had a nice teacher in bali firma who used to take that class mm-hmm. um and she used to show us a lot of interesting movies and stuff um that would have i don't know i guess seeped in there too mm-hmm. and is it do you ever think about doing animation or are you kind of firmly committed to the comic book end of things i'm kind of open i mean mm-hmm. I, I did animation in college i yeah. don't really like animating um yeah. it just takes too much time it's too tedious it's too much the same thing mm. at least with comics you can kind of you know the, the nice thing about comics is that it, you can do you can kind of make your own movie on paper mm. um you know all you really need is is pen and paper which is the same as all you need for animation but you need a team for that um it's a lot more work well, you don't need a team but it's definitely would pay off to have a, a big team mm-hmm. so you can kind of create this on your own world and just stay in there i mean uh, it would be cool to maybe work with animators mm-hmm. that would you know they could put your vision onto the screen for sure man. i feel like this world lends itself so much to to that type of i mean you think of a lot i'm thinking of rick and morty really where you kind of end up with this open-ended kind of sandbox world and where you can go you know space gives you that option where you can go anywhere and you have different worlds and it's just so the the premise between the hip-hop and the that kind of universal i I don't want to say star wars but like interdimensional Mm -hmm. type thing um lends itself so well to an open-ended animation i just thought that'd be interesting yeah Mm. oh for sure i mean i mean a lot of what you're trying to do with Mm. any of this kind of stuff is just create that bit of spark in other people that, mm. to intrigue them yeah and you know that's that's the winner i mean you, you yeah. mentioned star wars but i mean mm. you can't really talk about any of this stuff in terms of you know what something ha- has done to the, i mean the fan base that will just continue forever yeah. and ever and i mean it's it is that simple kind of joseph campbell storytelling which yeah. is the, the original as much as disney yeah. are trying to kill it at the moment but exactly yeah but if you can capture people's imagination um, Mm. you know you can kind of the world is your oyster and what do you think about the level of like independent artistry these days i mean did you have to organize a lot of this yourself for making it uh did you have a team or did you have 
uh, a publishing house or anything? Uh, for the for the issues, mm. I'd probably just do them all myself. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I don't print them, but yeah. I have a printer in the UK who, who does them. Nice. Um, and it's kind of good to stay independent at this level mm. um, because, you know, you could... I've sent the stuff to publishers and, mm-hmm. like, only very few... Mm-hmm. And, you know, they wouldn't, most of them wouldn't be interested at this level Mm -hmm. because you probably want to have at least five issues under your belt. So it's something you could then put on a shelf, you know, with a a spine rather than floppy comics. Mm -hmm. Um, So once there's enough of them, I would love to have a book, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. and then, and then you can get a publisher and then you can start translating it into other languages and like French or Japanese or whatever. I mean, that's where a lot of the market is. Yeah. Um, mm, interesting. Um, so I think once I have four issues done, I'm going to uh, start working on, you know, making a book out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, there's more money in book sales as well. I mean, comics is only, they're very like, dis- they're still kind of seen as a very disposable art form. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a big scene of independent creators who i mean instagram for has its pros and its, and its cons but yep. i mean it is good for just finding other people who are doing stuff like you yep. who are you know overseas mm. um so there is a lot of guys I, I, and girls i'd be in touch with um you know stateside or in canada or france or whatever yep. who, are, who are doing similar stuff um probably good for building um, an audience as well to you know interact with your stuff one-to-one it is yeah yeah and get it out there um well, I suppose you find your, you know, people who do really like it that way and then mm. they want more, but you just have to keep giving them more. Yeah. And you have to actually do um, it. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose that'll, that spurs you on as well, just mm. to keep engaged with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I do, it's, it's, it's definitely an enjoyable. Do you do uh, a lot of, uh, part of illustration work outside of it or um, other like freelancing do, yeah. drawing stuff? Yeah, I do uh, freelance illustration stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good, uh, as long as it's something, try and kind of pick projects I like the sound of. Yeah. Um, to kind of just, it's always, I suppose you just always want to keep it interesting for yourself. Yeah. Um, and not kind of loathe it. I mean, you want to make it as, as, um, fun as possible. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always, always open to work with people. Mm. And with creativity, I suppose there is that kind of difficulty of making it a business that you can earn money off. And like, that's something I've been wrestling with for the last while really in terms of like how to go about, you know, making it your day job and also not loathing it at the same time. Um, yeah. Which is a difficult balance to strike, I suppose. It is hard. Yeah. I suppose what you have to do is just, I mean, you just have to really put in the work, Mm. um, First of all, I mean, there's no really getting around that part of it just to, you know, to put in that effort every day or, you know, every couple of days at least Mm. um, to to make something more. And then once you have that, to just keep building your audience. Um, Mm -hmm. I suppose we have that other, which we may not have had before. Just, I mean, Instagram and stuff can be good like that just to to create a level of, Mm. you know, a fan base or followers or whatever you want to call them. Um, people who are interested in your stuff, yep. um, like those platforms are good. The only worry with those kind of platforms is once you've built something, you know, it's, it's all on there yeah. um, and it can easily be removed Yeah. or, you know, if that, if that particular platform falls out of popularity or whatever. So I suppose, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, yeah, which, which I probably do, but mm. yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, once once you have a bit of a following, I think you can, you know, you can get to more opportunities as well. Yeah. Like, you know, hoping to have a book or maybe meeting someone who might want to do an animation or, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um, it's cool, man. So, but yeah, it is it is hard work. Difficult, but definitely there's a lot of potential. I think these days more so for artists than there has been, but as a result, more competition and more difficulty in kind of it's hard to figure out what the professional level is anymore i think like there's kind of always like a bunch of like canonized people at the top but then also like the mid-ground is very confusing you know what i mean like you could do really well on instagram and be making loads of money but like is that the same as a publisher putting on a list of comics and stuff it's quite like what's the standards of success really 
in, in being a creative these days. Yeah. And that probably comes down to what you want individually mm. out of it. Mm. Um, like, I mean, you could be quite happy just to, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it's going to be very different from each medium to, you know, if you're a printmaker, I suppose you just want to have your stuff in galleries or maybe use yeah. an advertisement or mm. if you're a writer, obviously you want recognition yep. for your work and you want to see your stuff on a shelf mm. and, you know, you want to be able to have, I suppose the success to allow you to keep doing what you like doing. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the main thing. I mean, as long as you are able to keep putting the effort in and you don't have to like be sidelined by something else. Yeah. Was Um, was there ever a time where you wanted to be doing the creative work, but you couldn't and you were in, you know, a situation where it was kind of just in, you know, in the back of your mind, but not, you know, something you could do. Was that... Oh yeah. I mean, obviously you go through periods where you're maybe just not as engaged with it or you're distracted by other stuff, mm. but, um, I've always kind of found the time to do something, mm-hmm. um, artistic. Um, and you know, if that, that made it maybe just keeping a sketchbook, which you were yeah. uh, doodling on scraps of paper or I don't know. I mean, just, yeah. it's good to, I mean, when I, I work, I, I did a grad visa in New York, um, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity to work in, an ad, in a creative ad agency there and they were working with quite like big brands like Hasbro and Google and mm-hmm. and Starbucks and stuff so I was and I kind of I was just an intern and they kind of kept me on because I was doing storyboards for them and they didn't have an in-house storyboard artist yeah um so you can kind of always find your way I suppose if you have a bit of talent for it yeah. um and that was you know, and I wasn't digitally minded at all. Then I still aren't very good at digital art, but you know that definitely made me pull up my britches a bit and learn better Photoshop mm-hmm. skills and stuff. Um, because I do like to work traditionally, mostly otherwise with you know just pen and ink and yeah paint. Although I have started coloring much more with uh, a tablet. I well, I'd say there's such an emphasis now probably on digital stuff, but there is kind of there's a lot more charm, I think to the hand drawn mm. it's much more distinctive like you can tell the difference i think by looking yeah. at it it's kind of like cgi and like prosthetic yeah. makeup um, field. i mean you're you're always gonna look back on the mm. on the old 80s or 70s movies yeah. and even if they look a bit wonky i mean they just they seem more real and people mm. seem to like that kind of touch and feel aspect of them yep. whereas you know even if you watch some cgi films that came out like two years ago they look kind of shite um, like yeah like fucking yeah not even real basically mm. yeah or it just it doesn't create the illusion mm. um that people are really that people really like uh, so i think it'll always it'll always it, digital will never yeah completely overcome traditional methods no um, i think that people, kind of battle is going on at the moment but there's definitely a niche for i think the mm. more traditional so do you like uh, the work of robert crumb or like who would be? I do, yeah, yeah. That was kind of my only exposure really to comic books is through Robert Crumb. Although I would have read stuff like when I was younger, like superhero kind of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, his Crumb's a good one. Man, he's wild. Like his style yeah. is like just, and he was a really interesting kind of historical figure as well in terms of this conservative yeah. American time, and then him coming out with this crazy shit that's like you nowadays i don't know if you could even do it like because it's so no you probably couldn't actually get away with it um i mean he was part of he kind of started that underground comic movement Mm. in on the west coast which it was just a bunch of cartoonists Mm. who kind of migrated to haight ashbury uh in san francisco and they're all just hanging out on haight street you know hanging out in thrift stores taking yeah. lsd and, yeah. and doing and then making crazy comics but they would kind of they would hang out together and, and make art which yeah i don't know if you'd see that these days i mean they'd no. literally meet up get high and draw make crazy comic books yeah. together and chrome would have been kind of the, i suppose the the godfather of that or mm. you know at the forefront of it mm. and he made a serious career out of it yeah he's kind of like the guy isn't he really from that period mm. of time but have you ever seen there's a documentary about his life called yeah. Crum and like he was from like the most fucked up family of all time like his brother yeah. was a rapist his other brother killed himself after the yeah. following of it like a really 
messed up. And then you see like the comic books as kind of like a way for him to get out of that. It's a real totally. Yeah, he seems like a kid who just kind of hid him hid inside his yeah. sketchbooks. Um, yeah, to, and his brothers, I think, drew as well, but they mm. weren't as good as him. Um, but definitely, yeah, that's a good documentary to watch if people want to know more about him. Yeah, uh, but I think sorry, go like he sold he sold some sketchbooks. I don't know, maybe in two thousand eleven or something, and he bought like, or sorry, he didn't even sell them; he swapped them yeah. um, for a chateau in uh, the south of France. What? So. Yeah. Whoa. That kind of shit. That shows you where you can get a few. Uh, Man. If people like your stuff. That's quite a deal. If you do enough LSD, that's where you'll you end up getting. Yeah. Um, do you think. Draw enough TNA. Yeah. Um, enough crazy shit, man. There is that comic book. <laughs> comic books kind of get away to a certain level. I think I, I look at a lot of the ones you're posting, like the kind of older stuff that's kind of like, I don't know if it would be uh, like less mainstream kind of stuff, but there is an element that. Mm you can put stuff in comic books that you couldn't put on TV or you couldn't put on movies and stuff. It's this kind of like subterranean, you know. Sort of, yeah. It has that kind of exploitation thing where it just kind of, it's meant to almost offend. And I suppose, Mm. not that it's meant to offend, but it's meant to just take you out of our, Mm. you know, our, our, you know, the the world that takes itself very seriously sometimes. Mm. Um, And it can be just a good way of escaping all the, the ills of the world and i think that's probably why people like the medium so much yeah um is that kind of feeling of of just anything goes mm. and the kind um, of yeah which, the shadowy stuff i thought was very interesting particularly with crumbs work and stuff like the kind of you know the unsaid stuff in society that we don't talk about or that people try and brush under the carpet yeah. but then he was kind of in a sense vocalizing it through these comic books and that there was kind yeah. of a revolutionary aspect of it why like is it just that like because even in books i think you probably wouldn't get away with the same amount of stuff i mean maybe some stuff but it seems to be quite a feature of that type of comic books what do you think it is uh yeah i don't know i I mean these kind of comics that you're talking about Mm. will always you know like you said they come around at a certain time of maybe sexual revolution Mm. or um, I mean, they all come out of the, the 70s and yeah. I suppose the late 60s mm-hmm. in a time of sexual revolution and free love and people taking crazy drugs. Yeah. Um, and I suppose uh, the cartoonists are kind of almost like the visual journalists or they're mm-hmm. documenting it in some way, mm-hmm. um, which and people just like it. I mean, they just... You know, and like very basic stuff, which maybe yeah. is kind of, I don't know, Freudian almost, but it's yeah. just a lot of just, a lot of it can be just kind of gratuitous mm. um, dicks and <laughs> yeah, naked t- tits, and tits and ass. And, but I mean, so that, I suppose that never goes away either. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I mean people, ties in with the whole hip hop element, I suppose, as well. You got kind of. <laughs> yeah, it always goes back to, uh, it always goes back there eventually. <laughs> It doesn't take long. It's fundamental um, stuff, I suppose, isn't it? But it's interesting that you can ex- so, yeah. explore it through that medium. I think maybe because it's images, does it? Mm. It has more of a primordial kind of thing than words. Like I feel like images are more fundamental than language. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose images can often be. I mean, whenever stuff like book burnings or anything have happened mm. in times of oppression, yeah, you know, it's always the stuff that might be uh, grotesque sexually orientated or yeah. um kind of satirical will be gotten rid of yeah uh, and that used to happen in comics as well there was a guy called um oh, his name's escaping me now frederick frederick wortham uh. uh who would have passed the comic code authority in what the late 50s so everything had to meet uh this would have been after mm. Uh, Chrome and all that, but I mean, just in mainstream comics of the golden era, it would have there would have been all these kind of um, tales to astonish and you know, um, uh, t- kind of horror stories, tales of horror, tales of suspense, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That just would have had imagery like you're talking about of mm. you know maybe a severed arm or a woman decapitated or mm. stuff that I mean kids probably shouldn't be looking at, but they're going to find. Um, yeah. So there was a whole thing passed to get rid of all that stuff. Um, mm. And that took a long time for to kind of to whittle, get be getting rid of in the states anyway. The French and stuff were still bashing out of all the raunchy stuff. <laughs> I'd say the French didn't give a fuck. Uh, the French, they, yeah, they, that's. I mean, <laughs> it was, there's one group of 
comic book creators that hold that stuff pretty uh prominently it's the french yeah it's their kind um, of sacred sorry go ahead uh, and I mean, a lot of the good stuff comes from France. Mm. Uh, a lot of the sci-fi stuff comes from France. I mean, a lot of the stuff that kind of has inspired my stuff over the last few years um, mm. would be from, I don't know if you know Mobius. I've heard the name. Um, All right. Mobius, I think he started, he started a magazine with a couple of other guys called Metal Herlong, mm-hmm. um, which then became heavy metal in the States. But I think oh, it yeah. came out in like 1974. Mm-hmm. And that's like before Star Wars, and they were—I mean—they were drawing a lot of the stuff that I'm sure George Lucas and all mm. the rest of them were looking at. And then, in a way, they all went on to—they um, kind of went on to create the basis of the Alien movies, the, the look of it, and also Blade Runner. Um, so a lot of the futuristic so, kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of those kind of dystopian hard mm. kind of sci-fi stuff all kind of came from a group of guys who were working together in France and then met up with some writers like Dan O'Bannon and yeah. obviously Ridley Scott directors and stuff to make those films. Mm. Um, so it does all kind of stem, all that sci-fi actually in a way comes from not all of it, but like a lot of it is inspired by those French cartoonists. Whoa. And it's just kind of spread out from there. Do you see a lot yeah. in comic books these days? Is there a lot of censorship? I mean, there's a lot of talk about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and a lot of things kind of fallen by the wayside. I wonder, is there pressure in that industry at the moment to conform to certain standards? There doesn't seem to be. Um, I mean, I, I pick up a lot of kind of contemporary uh, independent stuff and mm. no, I mean, I, there's definitely stuff you'll see that you know, you'll be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, um, oh my God. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, won't fly in certain circles, but like yeah. kind of what you said before, mm. for some reason, comics uh, are this kind of safe space for anything goes. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to find people who are, especially, especially if the work becomes more popular, who are going to mm. give out about it, but you know, yeah. whatever. And do you think also, I mean, I was just thinking about there, like, cause it's an individual thing. You don't need like a team of people to do it that it lends itself more to individual fantasy. So you can be a bit braver in doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is like, I think I touched on this. It's just like, you know, it's your, it's just, you can create a world out of one vision Yeah. and you know, you don't need a team of cameramen or um, editors or well, editing probably helps, but like just, <laughs> you know, just that kind of, you can create a world, you know, in your bedroom if you want. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that that is kind of a, a it cool shows the, fl- aspect the of flexibility it. of the human mind, though, to be able to like go to these kind of universal lengths as an individual. That's so like rich and detailed, and there's so much stuff in that, even probably that you're you know that you're kind of aware of or not aware of that other people will find. Like the symbolism mm. of it is so rich. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of build in symbolism. I mean, mm. symbolism is is a powerful tool. Mm. If you can, if you can use it in some parts. So some panels, I mean, are built in a certain way that might make up certain shapes, or you know, when you're making. Yeah, panels, I noticed that. Certain- and yeah so that kind of stuff can be interesting also the rhythm well. of it like i was thinking of uh i trying to think of a word to describe it but it's like onomatopoeia you know when a word sounds like it's meaning mm. you're almost mm-hmm. doing that with like panels so like if the everything's falling apart in the panels the panels themselves are falling apart there's yeah this kind of framing thing and that for sure yeah yeah it's kind of there's a musicality to that as well i think to ties in yeah well i suppose if you're gonna i mean certain panels do different things for the reader so yeah. you know if you have a lot of um panels that are stacked vertically it kind of mm-hmm. it, it, it creates a sense of of action because things mm-hmm. are moving quite like um it's like a widescreen uh, mm-hmm. if you do things that are horizontally stacked together it creates it slows things down Ooh, okay um if you do do things with that are quite jagged it creates a sense of you know, danger or mm. urgency. If things are rounder, a round panel generally means like it's a memory or um, a flashback. Um, what? So yeah, there's all these kind of different rules to the visual language of, of making comics as well, which you, you learn as you go. That um, is but, so fascinating, man. It's like almost like topography or something, like the way words mm. are written can influence the meaning of the words. 
yeah like after after I've, I've told you that if you do go back and look at yeah. it in the comics uh, you might you might realize that um it's just it's just the way we read stuff i, mm. I suppose um mm-hmm. and then sometimes you just have a page with no panels and that's what you call a splash page um yeah. and that's just meant to be kind of impactful you know mm. or an establishing shot of yours you know where your characters are mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Man. That's, tricks. I'm doing a lot of stuff at the moment on like attention and media for this PhD proposal I'm doing. And that's really that kind of um, that use of the the layout of the media as part of the meaning of it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's something that you see a lot with like social media, like the infinite scroll and how that creates a kind of feedback loop of novelty yeah. and yeah. how a lot of that is kind of built into the technology now. Yeah, work. now you can have a lot of fun with it. Mm, um, well, the infinite scrolls, but not fun. But um, <laughs> yeah. doom scrolling. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is true that it's all. Everything can have a meaning inside of your your work if you if you kind of if you wanted to. Mm. Um, and I think that just makes it for a richer reading experience. If it's not, I mean, you do get comics as well where it's just six panels on a page, six panels on a page, six panels on a page. Mm. I mean, that's fine, but it's just, um, it's a different kind of reading experience. Yeah. And I, yeah, you that's know. amazing. And do you think the more meaning you put into it, does it feel more satisfying to you as a work? Uh, do you enjoy that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it might take a bit longer, um, but I think overall it'll, it'll make the, the work better. Mm. Um, and I suppose you want to make something that you're happy with. Yeah. Um, like, uh, even if you're always growing as an artist, you still want to be able to look back on stuff and say, you know, I suppose the comics that I'm making at the moment are a place that you can, you can really kind of try and put your best effort in. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, when you look back on it, when it's in print, you can be satisfied with it then. Um, obviously there's, you're always going to see things that bother you or mm. you could have done better, but. Man, um, certainly though, you have a fantastic skill. Like I really, I can't believe we hung out for so long and I never knew about this. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's extraordinary, the ability that goes into it. Um, I think the last time I saw you, you were, you were over in my place for a party and you're in, I've got a bookshelf and you're uh, checking out the old Edge Chronicle books. Man, that was, that's what we were talking about. I can't remember. I was very drunk at the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a Mexican party. It was Mexican. We had sombreros on <laughs> and no tops, I believe. But, um, but yeah, I remember we were in here briefly looking at some of the stuff and you, you picked out the Edge Chronicles. The Edge Chronicles was huge for me, man. That was like one of the first, like after Harry Potter, I suppose, that kind of, because I was shit at reading when I was a kid. I hated mm. it. Didn't like it at all. But then my parents got me into Harry Potter to try and get me into reading. And that just mm-hmm. changed the game for me. And like, that's like, I wouldn't be writing or anything if it wasn't for that. And then the Edge yeah. Chronicles was after that. And the the illustrations by, is it Chris Riddle? Or just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, like that captured my imagination. Like it, unbelievable oh, yeah, they're amazing yeah they are i mean i don't think i i think i read one of those books but yeah. i just kept buying them for for the illustrations just for the illustrations because he's so good man and that kind of yeah they're great man they're yeah wild world but it's yeah that kind of as a kid it really was very inspirational i think and has has carried me along you know yeah no it's forever. funny how like as i said you kind of just you um as you go through i mean i think your tastes probably are always evolving mm. but they do kind of stay at a base level yep. uh i think that's probably where my people my culture is so obsessed with nostalgia mm. is because and i mean you don't want to get too fixated on things that you're that you liked as a kid because yeah. that turns into weird cosplay eventually <laughs> yeah then you're yeah um, that's that's probably too far <laughs> but you do it is good to add it to just you know your your uh, your visual diary that's in your brain and then you can hopefully use that um on the page or whatever you, whatever your craft is i actually have it here somewhere in my room but the the first book i ever i wrote a book in school for like a write a book thing but it was i traced a load of drawings from that uh oh, yeah. edge chronicles for it because i used to love i wasn't very good at drawing but i could trace like a motherfucker i could fucking tra- <laughs> trace anything like but um that kind of yeah just that that um kind of started off this whole fucking whole interest in creativity. Maybe if you're a creative kid, you're drawn to stuff like that. I don't know. Probably. I think all kids kind of like that stuff. Yeah. You know, it kind of just maybe stays with some people longer than it does for others. People just, Mm. I I think a lot of um, creativity and, you know, 
drawing in particular it has to be encouraged as well mm. early on i mean I, I was always kind of lucky to have you know parents or grandparents yeah. or, you know adults around me to encourage what you do mm. um because that's a big part of it. like if somebody tells you you're good at something you're going to really yeah keep doing it yeah. um i suppose the only problem with that is some people obviously stand out ahead of others and the, mm. the people who maybe don't stand out as much aren't as encouraged yeah. um yeah uh, whereas and you know all kids want to draw things and make things and mm. um but that it's family environment should keep on i suppose if you're exposed to stuff as well it's probably pretty important like you were saying that you have seen all these illustrations and that kind of you know yeah had that motivating effect for you yeah my um my great granddad was a cartoonist whoa um, no way so his Books. I mean, if if you've ever been in Tony's house, there's a big wall section of all these uh, kind of encyclopedic looking books. Yeah. Uh, he set up a, um, a satirical magazine called Dublin Opinion. What? Um, back in I think it was ran from 1922 to 1968. Yeah. Uh, and that was just you know all the the kind of all the best cartoonists in Dublin and, and maybe Ireland. I don't know. It was probably more of a Dublin based thing. Um, what? Um, drawing mostly political and satirical cartoons mm-hmm. um, so that ran for a long time that's so um, cool man there's a bit of a history mm. there and wasn't your uncle yeah. o- uncle jack as well from father, father jack, jack yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah father jack Tom. that was his son actually that yeah. would have been really his son that's yeah. man that's a hell of a lineage tony's pretty good at the old drawing as well he used to do some fucking cartoons of me when we were supposed to be studying for the leaving cert yeah, Tony was Tony was good. Adam was good as well. I mean, every, like most of my siblings are actually good, but that you know, um, my brother Romy, he mm. now is more into photography and yeah. graphic design, mm. um, or you know, some of the others just don't keep it up. But definitely, uh, I've seen some some good third year uh, art projects. Yeah, over the years that you know, you're like I may have helped or not helped with a bit at the end, but. There's definitely potential in there. Yeah, that's so interesting, man. Creativity and families and the kind of genetic and environmental stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, man, that's that's really cool. And what for you? What would be like your ideal with your comics? Like, what would you like it to be? You know, if if it could go as well as it possibly could, what would it be like for you? Um, I suppose you always want to see your stuff. Like it would be cool to see stuff on on the big screen at some point. Mm. Um, that's obviously always a dream for any uh, creator. Like it would be nice to see. I suppose that's and that's just really, you know, the medium the medium that everybody will show up to. I mean, mm. so is, that's the way of getting your story out to the widest audience. It's just cool to see your stuff adapted yeah. um, into something live action or a mm. cartoon or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So yeah, maybe film or cartoon or uh, I will be very satisfied when I get a, a book, a proper book on the shelf. That's always been mm. kind of a, a dream and that probably makes sense after buying so many of these stupid things over the years. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah, just, just sharing your stuff with people at a wider level. Man, well, it's 100% good enough for any of that stuff, man. I could see it. Like, even just after reading those two ones, like, there's just so much in it that it's, it's still waiting to develop. And, you know, the potential is unbelievable, man. You have such a skill and such a such an eye as well for this type of world building and just the creativity in it just blew me away. So well, thanks, man. I'm sure you'll get I think there. Probably, yeah. I mean, after this, I'll probably sit down and do... Uh, a bit of a page for for issue three, so you suppose we just we just stay at the desk and keep cranking it out in this heat. Yeah, man, it's a terrible time to be. I'm also sitting inside all day, fucking writing weird plays and darkness while everybody else yeah. is out sunning themselves. But um, uh, and what's next for you? So there's issue three. You know, where should people check you out, or where where would you like people to go if they're interested in the work? Uh, just Illstrips, my Instagram account, Illstrips will, and there's a link on there to the website. You can pick up the comics and you can pick up, uh, what else do I have? T-shirts, slip mats, uh, stickers, prints, all that good stuff. Yeah. And it's all gorgeous, oh, man. Yeah. It's definitely worth getting into now for some memorabilia because it's like, they're works of art really, man. I, I appreciate that. Thanks. I love having them, but appreciate you well, talking to me today. Thanks for having me on. 
I hope you enjoyed myself and Jordo's chat and you should definitely go and check out his page on Instagram at Illstrips Comics or Illstrips.com. Get a copy of Cosmic Slop because it's fucking class. It's so cool. The entire thing is like a work of art from start to finish and you're going to want to read it and you're going to want to have it on your shelf because it's going to be big. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the conversations on the podcast, uh, click follow on WhatsApp. No, WhatsApp. What am I fucking talking about? We're not on WhatsApp. Uh, click follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Matt McCann Podcast. And yeah, stay in touch. Boat.